I'm Kiara. I'm Erin. And I'm Carter. And we just three black folks who love true crime. This is the I Ain't a Killer podcast. Hey, Killer Bees. Hey, we're hey, back again. Hello. We're back. Bet she didn't expect to hear from us. We're back to our regularly scheduled program. Weekly episode. Thank y'all for the feedback on last week's episode, too. It's so good to see y'all's reactions to stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. And trying to be consistent with our engagement with them. Yes, definitely. And just to reiterate, I feel like um, we got some messages that people said that they had to turn it off because it was a lot. We completely understand that. That's why we put the content warnings in the beginning. We want y'all to feel like if this isn't something that I can listen to, like we understand if you have to catch us next time. Yeah, definitely. Take care of yourself because, I mean, the purpose of true crime is to be more familiar with like all this shit and like the patterns and stuff like that, but you don't have to sit there and listen to all this shit. Take care of yourself as much as you need to or get ahead and all that good stuff. Yeah. Also, if you ever find we've missed a content warning or trigger warning, uh, feel free to let us know. You don't have to comment on the thing. You can message us directly if you don't want everyone to see your feedback, but uh, we want to know that kind of thing too. Yes, for sure. Um, I don't know if if y'all want to address the um, change in our intro on the oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we got a couple comments about it of folks thinking we were censoring ourselves and stuff. Yeah, people were surprised that we changed the intro from bitches to folks. <laughs> I promise there wasn't a huge, like, we didn't have a huge discussion. No, we were just like, let's just do it. We were just Whatever. like, it's not for the intro. Mm-hmm. And that was just like the natural, yeah. like, what naturally came out. Yeah. yeah. When I brought it up, they were like, oh, okay, cool. And I was, yeah, we, I literally didn't even think about like our gender identities or anything like that but now that you mention it it's like okay yeah that actually kind of does fit you know because yeah. we get a lot of ladies and girls and stuff like that and that's cool that's cute but like a couple of well, us it's not a cooler cute doesn't say it's not but <laughs> <laughs> this is not a podcast run by all ladies Erin is definitely a lady but you know and <laughs> that's okay like you know yeah, and we you just can wanna... call us friends folks there's other words y'all yeah. it's okay you have to call us girls or ladies ever so yeah y'all are friends and we love y'all and we just want y'all to know exactly you know who we really are and to respect that so yeah um and and i know that it can be confusing because i am a bitch but not a lady so we just want to make it clear yeah some of these identities overlap and that's fine too yeah but never censor y'all must not listen to the rest of the episode and we definitely still niggas too so that's like right. a whole other thing you know it's just it's a lot you know yeah. a lot of nuance going on but um we but do yeah. appreciate the inquisition though yeah, yeah. that was really, that was really fun that was cool to have that conversation too yeah yeah so all right i guess we'll get into the main story now new format okay all right so i made sure to run through spotify to make sure we didn't do this but i want to make sure that we didn't do the Golden State Killer. No. We never did. Okay. I did think about it, though. Okay. No. Cool. Actually, before we start, can you turn me down a little bit? Yeah. My volume on my mic. I think I'm one. On your mic or your headphones? Oh, my headphones. Oh, okay. Right. Headphones? Yeah, headphones. Oh, you said headphones. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, that's better. Okay. okay. Thanks. Okay. All right, so this is the uh, story of how they caught the Golden State Killer. And as per usual... It's some fuck shit on, on, on behalf of the police. I'm not even going to hold you. All right. So, uh, content warnings for 
uh, sexual assault. There are a couple of times we have to mention uh, rapists in this story. Um, animal torture, uh, emotional abuse and manipulation, stalking, gun violence, and murder. And if anything comes up um, in the moment that I feel like is a little bit too uh, gnarly, I'll definitely um, re-mention those, um, re-mention those trigger warnings. So I'm going to start with like the MOs because the Golden State Killer had a bunch of different MOs throughout the 70s and the 80s and they were called like a bunch of different things. So at first this was the Visalia. I'm also not familiar with California uh, landscape y'all. Don't beat me up. Visalia or Visalia Ransacker uh, that was active from 1974 to 1976. Um, so the cops called it the quote unquote training ground of the criminal and I, I put that in quotes because I just don't like that at all um but the place where the Vasily Ransacker uh trained was in the east area uh east bay area um and he became known as the east area rapist um and then as early as may 73 there was like a whole bunch of other sprees and stuff like that so other people had their own names like the cordova cat burglar and the exeter ransacker so those were the main like three or four names that this person had for those uh few years so the first attack was March 19th, 1974, um, when a sum of $50 in coins was stolen from a piggy bank. Real childish uh, shit like that. So the person's MO was to like run through people's shit and scatter the women's underwear everywhere, which to me automatically senses like mommy issues mm-hmm. in these serial killers. They always go through like women's underwear, which is extremely creepy. Um, and stealing low value items and and he would leave the more expensive stuff behind. Interesting. Right. He would often arrange or display items in the house. So set up like displays with like different items in the house. Just so when they woke up, they would know that like. That oh, would scare the shit out of you. It reminds me of that story I did where the boy was living in the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dylan? Oh, Dylan? I think something. It was something like that. Oh, my where God. Where he was living in the walls and painting on the walls and ketchup and yeah, shit. Yeah. I remember that. And leaving the rest out. Oh, burn the house down. I'm sorry. Burn the fucking house down. Because I cannot. Honestly, that's one of my worst nightmares. Like, sometimes I'll come downstairs from my bedroom and, like, the shower curtain will be pulled. And I'm like, did I leave it like that? Or somebody's living in my attic? Yeah, no. Right. Real quick story time. So, I came home and and, um, it, like, my partner was already there. And, but her TV was on. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, oh, so you were watching TV in my room, right? And I was like, no. And See. she was like, so you wasn't watching Inception? And I was like, no. I don't watch scary movies when I'm by myself. It's just not, it's just not appealing to me. Mm-hmm. And so we really had, like, a whole run. Like, we were freaking out for, like, a couple hours. But then, so she turned the TV off and then, you know, went back into the back of the house. And Neptune, my cat, um, <laughs> hopped on the <laughs> stool and pressed the remote and actually went back to the same like so she knows how to work the TV wow. key. and we were like bitch you scared the shit out of her what the fuck that's what I'm saying so she was literally about to be like oh no is somebody like breaking in the house right. somebody got a key or something what the fuck is going on so yeah um, very quick story time on that but <laughs> That no, scary, 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 scary shit. Um, so yeah, items that he stole uh, often uh, included blue chip stamps, which is like loyalty programs before they actually had like loyalty program cards. So you would put the stamps on like whatever item and then like turn them in for like uh, like other stuff. Um, he would steal like foreign and historic coins. He would steal personal items like earrings and cufflinks and stuff like that. And he also stole weapons. Um, he also stole ammo from those houses as well. 
So it became common for multiple houses to be hit in the same day. On November 30th, 1974, there were 12 separate incidents in that same day. Nobody caught up to him, and that's what I'm saying. But I don't understand how he's able to blend in so well. I mean, I do now, but like in the time that I was doing this, I'm like, uh, how do you even get to the second and the third? 12? Like, that's, oh, I'm sorry. They got to all be in the same neighborhood. Like, how do you even. You just, it's just a sweep, just Santa Claus at this point. It's yeah. like running through people's shit. Like, it's crazy. So, um,. He broke into the home of a journalist named a journalism professor named Claude Snelling, Claude Snelling on uh, 532 Whitney Lane on uh, September 11th, 1975. So he had found someone under his daughter's bed earlier that year. Ooh, fuck no. And he chased the person away. Um, so this was like around February. And so now this is like September it's same mo but like he wakes up and he hears like weird noises in the house so he runs through the house and he sees this person has his daughter it's like trying to kidnap his daughter or whatever so he tries to fight the person but the person ends up shooting him twice Ooh. and so later on like he stumbles back into the house and then later on he ends up uh he ends up passing away the dad yeah the dad oh the, no. Claude's nail, the one and his daughter the person uh didn't fully kidnap his daughter, but they did uh, beat her pretty bad. Mm. And then they tried to, they didn't get any evidence whatsoever. The only thing they found was like a bike abandoned down the road, but they didn't get anything like from it. Um, and then they tried to put his wife under hypnosis to get more detail, but that also didn't work either. It's <laughs> black mirror. Yeah, no, very, very much. Like, I don't know, but it's just funny that like, I don't know, we live in a world now where it's like ring cameras. And, like, I was, like, I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, they couldn't. They didn't find nothing. Like, like nothing. Like the seventies. If you don't find like fingerprints and like being able to match like, somebody, or somebody writing like, their name saying I did it. Yeah, like, like, they weren't gonna catch you. Yeah, the little confession letters, right? And, like, the teasing yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So, um, so this happened again on December twelfth. Um, this happened again on December twelfth, um, nineteen seventy-five, at eight thirty p.m. A detective by the name of William McGowan was on a stakeout inside the garage of a house. So I'm not exactly sure if his motive was to catch somebody breaking into that home, mm-hmm. but because he was inside the, the garage, I mean, I wasn't exactly sure if he was intending to catch him, like the cat burglar or whatever. But he was inside the garage of the house. Um, so. When he broke into the house, he attempted to detain the person, but the person screamed, removed his mask, and said, okay, cool, like, you got it, like, I'm caught, or whatever. So, this was, like, the result of a warning shot, but then, like, afterwards, I guess they ended up in a tussle, and he was able to shoot the detective, jump the fence, and escape. Okay. So useless. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, absolutely. You? And I'm just like, you should, I don't know, arrest him or shoot him in the shoulder or something. I don't know. That's what y'all do to niggas. So, or like, why like, isn't there more than one detective around? Doing the stakeout. Like, yeah. why isn't there anybody else you could talk to? I know they got, like, walkie-talkies or something <laughs> like that. So, yeah. But him being on stakeout by himself is ridiculous. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, he was able to shoot the detective, jump the fence, and escape. Um... And they found a bunch of evidence, but it really didn't add up to much because at the time, it's still the 70s. So they found a flashlight, they found tennis shoe tracks, they found um, some money, and then they found the blue chip stamps that um, the person likes to steal from people's houses and a sock full of coins. 
So now we're moving into 1976 to 1979. This person is now known as the East Area Rapist. Um, his initial MO was to stalk middle class neighborhoods at night in search of women who live by themselves. Uh, it's usually near a park or like a creek or something like so he could have some sort of easy escape and uh, on foot. Um, and so a bunch of neighbors seen him, uh, like saw him a bunch of times. And then one time he actually got caught, but he ended up shooting the person and seriously injuring them. So there was never any like evidence that came out of that or like um, maybe just like a few sketches or something like that. So most of the victims said that they heard like a cat burglar, like on the property before the attacks and that they, um, that they actually like had break-ins, but he didn't like take anything. And then it became like known to the police that he was able to do a lot of recon, which kind of give them, gave them a better idea of like where he was living at because he was able to unlock these people's windows, um, unload their guns. Um, he was able to plant like rope and stuff in the house so that he could use it later when he broke into their house. Um, he would often like phone the victims like months in advance just to learn their daily routines. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff he said was wild. I have a few of the phone calls, not all of them, because the ones that was listed is just like a lot. But I just took the few that kind of like were related to his MO. Mm-hmm. So, um, March 18th, 1977, they received two calls, 415 and 430. And he said, I'm the East Side Rapist and I have my next victim. And I already stopped you guys. You guys can't catch me. All right, y'all. We'll be right back after we pay some bills. Are you a huge c- Us too. Wait, can we even say c-? Of course. It's empowering these days. C- 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 I'm Ange Ballastone, a.k.a. the drag queen, that girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess. And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch, a gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch. While we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy. And cunty. With us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on The Big Cunty... Oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. (laughs) On the big c***y couch. I thought the phone calls were just like bullshit so he would know if you're home or not. I didn't realize he was like letting them know that they were like, hey, it's me about to write you. Yeah. And this, so this one, this particular phone call was to the sheriff's office. So the other two were to his okay. known to, to his known victims. So the first known rape victim for um, for this mo at this time was um, named Ray. No, he he called himself Ray. That's what it was. And this was uh, 1978. And he said, "This is so creepy. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to like get to the the exact quotation." He said, "I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you." And he said, "Bitch," over and over and over again, like "bitch, bitch, 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 bitch," and then fucking whore, and then hung up. And so then um, he did it's it again. So chaotic. Yeah, and it's like I'm trying not to laugh because it's just like it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I can't imagine picking up my phone and that being a bitch, bitch. Like, but in, but back then, I don't know. I feel like now I would probably feel. Like it's ridiculous, but back then I probably would have felt like, what the fuck? Like, cause there's there, like you said, like there is no ring camera, there is no alarms yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Like it's fucking crazy. Um, so he called another house and he said, uh, "I'm going to hit tonight, Watt Avenue." And 
Yeah. Like, so he would he, he would do shit like this over and over again. And if you want to look at the full list, it's on, like, Wikipedia or whatever. Like, he did this multiple times, and a lot of them were recorded or, like, quoted exactly or whatever. So I'm not going to go over all of his sexual assault victims because the list is extensive. Um, he, by between... Friday, June 18th, 1976, and Thursday, July 5th, 1979, he had 50 sexual assault victims. Wow. And they're all listed. Uh-huh. And those are just the ones who, like, he ended up getting caught with. Or So, yeah, like I said, but I can go over So, there. in three years. So, in three years, he was able to sexually assault 50 people. And I, because I'm a 90s kid, I also just can't fathom, like, what security looked like back then. Like, mm-hmm. oh, everybody lock your doors and stuff like that. But, like, A lot of people left their doors unlocked. I just I can't even I can't even wrap my head around what that even looks like. Fifty people in the same area. That's wild. Yeah. So seventy-nine to eighty-six, this is the era of the original Night Stalker. Um, this person moved to Southern California, so now you're starting to see crime pop up in like Santa Barbara. Um, so the first time he struck was in October. Um and he tied up a couple in an area named Galetta um, and they heard him talking to himself and he said I'll kill him like I'll kill him to himself so they, that's when they got spooked and when he left the room they tried to escape uh, the woman screamed and she uh, like set off the alarm and so once he realized that that happened he, let, uh, like, he left on a bike and a neighbor who just so happened to be an FBI agent ran after him he abandoned the bike and uh, he left a knife at the scene too. And he escaped by running through like the neighbor's yards, so that he also didn't catch him either. <laughs> and so that's this is pretty much like the same mo with all of these attacks. This is the first uh, one that he tried to commit, and these persons, uh, these people survived, but the rest of them um, had the same mo as his next victim, and then uh, none of them survived. So. Almost two months later, Robert Offerman and 35-year-old, um, 35-year-old Robert Offerman and Deborah Manning, they were found uh, shot to death in the condominiums down the street in the same uh, area of Galetta. Um, they looked at his bindings and they realized that they were untied, so they concluded that he, like, jumped at the attacker or, like, lunged at him. Um and the neighbors also heard gunshots. They noticed at the scene, too, that there were paw prints of a large dog. So they figured, like, okay, he brings a dog with him to these scenes or whatever, or uses this as a, like, point of intel. This is the Night Stalker? Yeah. The, they, these are two different people? Yeah, so they named him. I forgot exactly why they did that, but I think that they ended up finding out that the other Night Stalker was Richard Ramirez. and But I think that this was, like, before that. So that's why they said the original Night Stalker. Okay. Because this was, like, one of his names. It was, like, it so, kept changing all the time. Yeah, and all of these are the Golden State. Yeah, and all of these are the Golden State. Okay, so, yeah, he's the original one, and then they ended up naming the other one. I'm sick of it. Stop naming these people. Yeah, that's the thing. Giving them, like, making them, like, famous. Like, giving them notoriety. Yeah, like, villains, I get. Like, it's, like, yeah. sounds like a movie. It's silly. And then you got... Someone with 10 different names. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like they give them these names that make them sound like gargoyles or like vampires or something like yeah. that. Like they don't, they make these names so fucking cool. And it's like, no, the, these people are not fucking cool. Get them embarrassing ass nicknames. I think like I saw the Night Stalker. That. I mean, I know the concept of it is terrible, but that's like a pretty 
creative yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they make them sound like they're just like creeping around in the night and they're so cool. It's like, no, yeah. give them embarrassing names. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they realized that he had a dog with him and they also realized that he broke into another residence that was also vacant and he had stolen a bike, which is how he's able to like get around to all of these different uh, places with a stolen bike. Um, they later found it uh, abandoned on the side of the street, and it, so that matched the MO of the other attacks as well. But they still had it connected that like all of these were the same person. Um, so it was later linked because the twine was used um, on the other victims as well. So that's when they started connecting into the other five attacks. So the attacks lasted until... 1981 and then there was one attack by itself in 1986 so i guess maybe he decided to quit and then just five years later he just up and like did one more or something but they um used the evidence found at all of these uh the 1986 one as well to like link it to him so um up until april 2018 um they didn't know who this was at all. They had no um, like fingerprints or anything like that. But there was a detective in 2016 who like started running through DNA databases, and they used this thing called uh, GED database or GED um, DNA or something like that. And they ran the DNA through these databases, and then came up with a family tree that included like a thousand people. And so they had to run through all of these people, like they because it ran back to like a genealogy from like the 1800s and stuff. Mm. So they had like all these super distant relatives or whatever to be able to figure out who it was, and it ended up coming back after uh, uh, a couple of years. It ended up coming back one match. Uh, his name is Joseph James D'Angelo Jr. D'Angelo. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I really do. D'Angelo. And that's why, in, literally, in my, like, research, I changed all of the D'Angelo's to Joseph. Because I was like, I'm not calling you that. I'm sorry. Like, I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't do that. That feels a little bit too black to me. And maybe I'm just racist. I don't care. But, like, I'm not doing that. Um, so, so, Joseph James D'Angelo Jr. <laughs> was born November 8th, 1945, um, in Bath, New York, to uh, Catherine. Yeah. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> to Kathleen uh, DeGroat and Joseph James D'Angelo Sr. He had three siblings, uh, two older sisters named Connie and Rebecca, who were older than him. And then he had a younger brother named John, who was younger than him. So somebody in his family reported that when his family was stationed in Germany, he witnessed his older sister Connie being sexually assaulted by two airmen. Jesus. Mm -hmm. And his other older sister, Rebecca, later stated that she had also been abused by their father. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't too much more information on that. But I'm assuming that they brought that information forward to kind of just like give them a picture of his mindset or like how he was socialized. Yeah. Um, and what could have affected him and made him like do the stuff that he did. Um. So Joseph attended Mills Junior High School in Rancho Cordova, California. Um, started in 1961, and then he got his GED in 1964. Um, so people who knew him reported that he liked to torture and kill animals. There it is. Yeah, so that's like the part of the big part of the trifecta. And he committed a lot of burglaries when he was a teenager, but of course he got away with it. 
Um, so he joined the Navy in uh, September 1964. He served for 22 months in the Vietnam War. Vietnam. Yeah, everybody came back fucked up from Vietnam from too. So I feel like that's another like big pillar other than him torturing and killing animals. So as I heard that, I was like, yeah, he never had a chance. Um, so he attended Sierra College in Rockland, California, and he graduated with an associate degree in police science. And <laughs> I was science like, to it is there. The, I was like, I literally have in my notes that's a thing. Like. I didn't know that, that was. <laughs> I didn't know you could major that? in police science with honors. What so, are they be talking about? I don't know. Like shoot first, kill like like kill first, <laughs> talk later. I don't fucking know. I can't. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, and he also again got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Um, the, so he worked the burglary unit in Exeter, but he only served from no. He served in Auburn from 1976 to 79, and then he was arrested for shoplifting a hammer and some dog repellent. Which again, I didn't know was a thing. Dog, dog repellent? Yeah, that's that's a thing. I just, never heard of it. Not familiar. Yeah, no, I didn't. How do you? How does that work? Because um, what repels dogs? I don't know. Dogs love everything. Like they even eat the stuff life. that's poisonous to them. Like they don't like. So what is it? Um, he was sentenced to six months of probation, and then he was fired later that October. So during the process of being fired, he threatened to kill the chief of police. Oh, yeah, and allegedly stalked the chief's house again. Got away with it. Was not arrested. Wasn't no. put on no type of. And he was on probation, and he was on probation when he did this. So. How he got away with that shit, I don't fucking know. But obviously, it's like the, brother, the brotherhood of cops. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They be letting the cops get away with mm-hmm. anything. Even if you are no longer one. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think it's twofold. I think it's like, because you were a cop, you get like a special pass because people who like decide they want to be cops, they just see above everyone else. But also, they don't want the organization to look bad. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't prosecute one of our own or hold one of our our own accountable because we don't want anyone to know we ever make mistakes. Right. right. Yeah. We can acknowledge think, that out loud. I think it's also that they assume that if you are a cop or become a cop, you have the same ideologies as them. Mm-hmm. So they just feel like a connection in that way. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. it legitimately is a brotherhood. Yeah, because we all hate niggas, <laughs> <laughs> right? And everybody else, <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Um, so in nineteen May nineteen seventy, uh, oh, I forgot to change this to Joseph <clears throat> to D'Angelo. Um, gross. Joseph became engaged to nursing student Bonnie Jean Caldwell, who was one of his classmates at Sierra College. Caldwell feels black too. Say what? Caldwell feels black too. It does, and I'm just like. <laughs> I think I need to look at people up. Like, <laughs> Maybe um, they need to look themselves up. <laughs> right. <laughs> look up your own history, friend. Got a couple drops in there. Be light skinned. <laughs> um, a classmate at Sierra. Yeah, she was a classmate at Sierra College, but she ended the relationship in '71 after he became "quote unquote" manipulative and abusive. Um, and she said this because she. She said that he tried to force her to help him cheat on the abnormal psychology test, which it's hard for me to read that because like, what the fuck are you, what? Force her to help him cheat. It's an abnormal psychology test. Why would you, I don't know. Like, why would you 
threaten somebody to help you cheat on a test. Like, I don't know. I just can't, my mind can't wrap around that. Um, after the breakup, he attempted to force her to marry him too. And he threatened her with a gun, like trying to like make her. Marry him. Yeah. So she was obviously done with him and good, good on her. Right. Um, in November, 1973, he married Sharon Marie Huddle, um, in a place called Citrus Heights. Um, LOL. She became a divorce attorney in 1982. Hi, LOL. <laughs> and they had three daughters, two of whom were born in Sacramento and another one was born in Los Angeles. So he's moving around at this point. Um, his, yeah, yeah. He's moving around at this point. His employment isn't too, too known around this point. Like, um, I think at one point he worked at a supermarket distribution center. Um, but he was arrested in 1996 for failing to pay for gas. Um, no. And the charge, of course, was dismissed. I don't get... What does that mean? Like, like gas he pumped like, the gas and then he drove away? Oh. So, I guess, like, gas, okay. was it prepaid before? Okay. I don't... Yeah. That's a... <laughs> These are different worlds. <laughs> anyway, so it's like, oh, you, you might just get whatever you need. Pay later. So and he did. So he did. <laughs> um, so his eldest daughter claimed that he was the quote unquote perfect father. Yes. And that makes it even scarier. Um, and like his, BTK. Every yes. time someone says something like that, I think of BTK. Mm-hmm. Well, they said that he was like, a, he, like, like his family had no idea he was a serial killer. None whatsoever. His wife said that he was a decent husband. He came home from work, like spent time with their kids. He had, I think, two daughters, and they also were like, you know, like he was a regular dad, like yeah. he was just chilling. That's like, even scarier than like he was a shitty dad and a shitty right. Yeah. It's horrifying. He was oh. like this regular guy, like he was like a volunteer ranger or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And, like his coworkers liked him and shit. Like, didn't he like help people in the neighborhood too? I think so. Like he was like an involved. I don't. The other thing that blows my mind about BTK, when did you have the time? He wasn't the kind of guy who just like crawled in and did a stab stab and ran out. Like he would take his time. It literally stands for bind, torture, kill. He spent time torturing his victims. So I'm like, how did you have time to do all this? Be a husband, be a father, and a community member. Like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Also, another nickname that should have never happened. Right. That one is infamous though. I remember being a kid and watching America's Most Wanted with my mom when he was still active and I was like I can't sleep tonight so <laughs> like what do we do now it's interesting like, that we don't have anything like that like now America's Most Wanted no 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 like a uh, infamous oh serial killer bad. like yeah that people just know <laughs> because the government's got a cover babes <laughs> they're dropping bombs yeah, that's. I think that makes it scarier. That definitely makes it scarier. Um, and that's one. That is one of my biggest questions. Like, when did you have the time to do this? Because to be a quote unquote perfect father, you have to be involved, and you're doing all that, and you're turning on this light switch, and then going to do this like. But I also think shit. like when was this like the seventies? I feel like their idea of parenthood looked a lot, a lot different. Like maybe being a perfect father meant like you come home for dinner at night. Yeah, and like true. I don't see you much and I don't outside of that. Smack my wife in the face, right? Because yeah. I don't like the chicken, right? <laughs> 
and now now you're a great husband. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe the same. That's true. The bar was lower. <laughs> yeah, you got a point. Um, yeah. So his brother-in-law claimed that he would casually bring up the East Area Rapist in conversations around the time of the original crime. That is crimes. so gross. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's that weirdness. I don't know. If we, uh, I remember we covered. I think it was the Cleveland Strangler. They would say that like he would bring up like sex at like weird times mm-hmm. or like just around the times of the crimes like he would talk about stuff that was happening in the neighborhood like that and it's just funny that like that happens and then somebody's like not the killer so it's like how do you make that like decision to say that like okay yeah that was like the biggest sign they should have been watching him you know because yeah. that's definitely fucking weird mm-hmm. um neighbors also reported that he would frequently uh get into loud super uh vulgar like outbursts when his neighbors uh reported that his family received a phone message from d'angelo uh, joseph um <laughs> Threatening, threatening to deliver a load of death, quote unquote. A uh, load of death. That is a threat. Because I don't even know what that means. Right. You gonna kill the dog multiple times? It's because of their barking dog. It's like you gonna kill the dog multiple times? Like I don't understand what the fuck is going on. So anyway, this is when the DNA starts to come back up in uh, 2016, mm-hmm. and they trace his family history back into the the 1800s, and they found his ass finally. Um. So he was arrested uh, at his daughter's home. Um, He was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder with special circumstances. And then later on, they ended up adding four additional counts of first-degree murder. Um, So he kind of made a confession to the crimes by saying that his inner person named Jerry made him do the the crimes, quote-unquote. Inner person? Yes. Um... He said, I didn't have the strength to push him out. He made me. He went with me. It was like, in my head, I mean, he's a part of me. I didn't want to do those things. I pushed Jerry out and had a happy life. I did all those things. I destroyed all their lives. So now I've got to pay the price. Is he trying to say he has, like, DID? I don't know what the fuck he's trying to say. But I think that, like... That is a common thing when people get caught. They be trying to like, oh, like that person inside me yeah, made me do this thing, right? Which is sad because then people who actually have DID, you don't know who to believe, right? Um, so he wasn't charged with any of the rapes or the burglaries because of the statute of limitations. Wow. The what? fact that there's a statute of limitations on, on rapes, yes, it, it burns me up. It should be unlimited. Yeah. So he was only charged. I mean, this is still a lot, but he was only charged with 13 counts of murder and 13 counts of death. <laughs> I'm sorry, the only is what made it. No, because the only and then 13 is wild. Yeah. You know, I know. Yeah. He should have been charged with everything, but the fact that there were still 13 counts of murder. And the, yeah. Like, okay, yeah, they got him on something, but I wanted him, as I was doing this, I was like, okay, no, he going like under the gym. Like, he going to yeah. be caught for like all 50. And then when I read that there was a statute of limitation on rape, I literally called my laptop. Like, but not the murders? Not the murders. Which is why. Because they happened at the same time. Yeah, and it happened at the same time. And these people have to live with, like, the people who were assaulted mm-hmm. have to live with the fact that he did that. Like, I wonder right. what the thought process behind statute of limitations is because like i think most crimes have a statute of limitations except for murder Mm -hmm. um i mean i'm sure there's some other exceptions but like that's the only one i can think of that doesn't have that yeah what what would be the point of that 
It's got to have something to do with money. It does, or maybe they just like want to make it easier for people to get away with their crimes. Like you lay low long enough, and then you can just kind of get away with it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he um he was not charged with any of them, and uh, Joseph he was arraigned in uh, Sacramento in 2018, and then in November um they came out with the numbers, and they said that over over the course of like his entire I guess I don't want to say career like all the shit that he was doing it involved six counties and it cost taxpayers 20 million dollars wow what yeah (laughs) to pay those goofy cops (laughs) right yeah um so he offered to plead to avoid the death penalty but at the time they was not they was not fucking with that they were like adamant about the death penalty but later on they ended up accepting the offer which for him to be in any place to have any leverage for bargaining is also wild as fuck to me because 13 counts of murder babes like i don't want to fucking hear what you got to say mm-hmm. you about to go down regardless how are you gonna get out of this right, right. what um Thank you so on August 21st, uh, 2020, which was like yesterday, mm-hmm. he received multiple consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. In his victim impact statement, he said, I've listened to all your statements, each of them, and I'm truly sorry to everyone that I've heard. Liar. I don't believe it for a second. Bitch. Are you fucking kidding That's me? That's all he had to say? That's all he had to say for his victim impact statement. Um... So, as of February 2021, D'Angelo is incarcerated in... I said D'Angelo, fuck. Anyway. (laughs) In protective custody at California State Prison in Corcoran. Corcoran. Wow. This is just... I mean, this is like a a reoccurring theme. Like, there's so many moments throughout all of that where something could have happened that would have saved 13 lives and however many people wouldn't have been sexually assaulted. Right. Like, clearly he was troubled as a child having witnessed those things, and then he grows up to do all these terrible things. And, I mean, to start with, like, stealing $50 out of a piggy bank and end with murder is (laughs) wild. Right. The escalation. Right. And the fact that he had 511 different nicknames in 511 counties. To be able to be active for that long is ridiculous. Right. And nobody knew anything. And also, they started testing DNA in, like, the 90s. Right. So for him to have his DNA ran through a database... For him to have his DNA ran through a database when Trump was elected, that's weird. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. And that's also another thing. Like, why does it take so long to run DNA? Like, that... For them to circle back? Yeah. Because they have... You know how they take rape pits and just put them in a dark basement and then they have stacks and stacks and stacks? There's so many. And I feel like it's nobody's priority. Like, I don't think there exists a job that someone is just going through every single DNA sample that they have. Is it like somebody... there's an actual human being sitting there looking through a microscope or have they not figured out technology to like be able to get through those things right. conveyor belt yeah and, and the person's yeah. face pops up or something i don't know yeah i'm no scientist but y'all need to figure the fuck out <laughs> i also think that because he was a former cop there's somebody who had to like suspect mm. or just know some shit and it just kind of like buried it a little bit because mm-hmm. they identified with him or maybe like somebody from the neighborhood knew or something but 
Yeah, it's the same thing with like a bunch of other cases that we did. They'd be like, oh yeah, my, my friend didn't do nothing. My friend, and then, you know, like they kind of get them in a one on one interview and it's like, oh yeah, but he did do that weird, super mm-hmm. terrible thing that mm-hmm. matches the MO of this killer. They don't say nobody that's it. <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah, no. Uh, oh. That's the Golden State Killer. Wow, chaotic. Extremely. I I debated on going over the details of his sexual assault cases um, because it is a lot shorter without that. But it's just, it's yeah. We had a rough one last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then for the fact that there are fifty, I was like, okay, so how do I even like? Yeah. Pick and choose, like no, yeah, no, it's it's real bad. That's horrifying. Okay, well, we will be back with our should this be a crime. Should this be a crime? It should, it should. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if y'all didn't know, we are based in Atlanta. So this Should This Be a Crime is um, one that's a little close to home, but it's also something that we know uh, people are dealing with everywhere. So this week, Decatur City Schools announced that they would be feeding children who had unpaid lunch balances cheese sandwiches for lunch. So the fact that they announced it is bold. Right. Like and y'all not even grilled grilled cheese and no. Not grilled cheese, cheese sandwiches for the kids with unpaid balances. So clearly they can't afford to pay for lunch in general and then you're going to force them to eat a lunch that isn't sustainable or not eat at all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then it's also, I'm sure, embarrassing for the kids mm-hmm. um, to put it, it's clear who doesn't have um, money in their accounts. Mm-hmm. So, um, this story went viral all over the place, and obviously, it's a crime. But the silver lining is that there's an organization here in Atlanta called Gooder, it's um, spelled G O O D R. And they do a lot of work with um, hunger and food waste and a lot of great work. So the person that started this organization, this nonprofit, she posted a GoFundMe to raise money for the kids with unpaid balances to try to get those balances paid off. And within 48 hours, they completed the campaign and raised $80,000. And I'm, I just looked at it. It's now at 88,000. So people are still donating, which is great. Um, but (laughs) let's, let's get into it. Fuck the school system. Yeah, fuck the school system. Fuck the administrators at that school. Even fuck the lunch ladies who's going to hand out them cheese sandwiches because I wouldn't dare. No, I would lose my fucking job. Even if it's lasagna. Yeah. Would you? Because what are they feeding them? Lasagna and chocolate milk. Like y'all throw away so much food every fucking day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know because I used to work at a uh, fucking SCAD, and they used to throw away like garbage bins mm-hmm. full of like fried chicken, donuts, right. vegetables, all kind of stuff. You're not losing money. You're not losing this money. Should be free. It should be free. Yeah, it should period. be free for everyone. And then it's so embarrassing as as a kid who literally was food insecure when I was younger, and sometimes I had to take that brown sack lunch. Mm-hmm. They know who got money, and who don't, yeah. and they gonna get jumped the fuck out mm-hmm. because you come to the table everybody else got fucking i don't know pizza corn and chocolate milk ew and then you got 
a, a, a honey and peanut butter sandwich mm-hmm. with nothing. Like they don't mm-hmm. give you a milk. They don't give you nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like a little tangerine or something like that. If that, if they feel in, you know, generous. Yeah. And so for y'all to do that to children who legally have to be there mm-hmm. to be educated, mm-hmm is wild mm-hmm. like food is not a fucking luxury you need it to live yeah Mm-mm. and the fact that we as a community had to pull together to make this money so that kids wouldn't be fed in that way but this is a, a city school mm-hmm. we're paying fucking taxes so that this shit right. doesn't happen mm-hmm. and the fact that folks had to pull out of their own pockets to support this school that should have the support and i'm not saying that it's necessarily the school's fault that they're not getting the money that they need this is clearly a systematic issue yeah but why is it impacting like six-year-olds yeah Yeah. exactly literal babies it's so heartbreaking and i i I feel like obviously it's heartwarming to see that folks are able to raise this money to get their balances evened out but that's evened out they're at zero Yeah. yeah they still don't have money to buy food right yeah so that has to be like some sort of credit on there in yeah. order for them to and that's what eighty thousand dollars eighty thousand dollars yeah brought them to zero just brought them to even right yeah. that's, that's wild. wild yeah no and it's wild because decatur low-key is like getting gentrified bad as fuck so it's like where's all this income tax where's all this shit going like y'all mean, at the end of the day those funds are just not allocated for schools mm-hmm. which is fucked up but we got money for you know to give tax breaks to the movie industry when they come here we got money yes. to right. put up a new parking deck in the middle of downtown atlanta to attract more people to gentrify the city we got mm-hmm. money for i don't know zoning forests and knocking things over so that we can put up a brewery like yeah but the kids don't have lunch but right. yeah but the kids are starving but yeah we definitely gonna have a new um organic yogurt spot for <laughs> all the yuppies that are moving to decatur paying four thousand dollars a month in rent it's just weird right. like this shit is just so fucking weird and it's like the more shit like this happens in atlanta the more i'm like we're gonna become just like san francisco mm-hmm. and i mean income inequality in atlanta is already bad as fuck but like we're definitely gonna become just like san i don't francisco. know if it's still the case but at one point atlanta had the most the like the highest disparity between what yeah you know i'm not surprised living livable wages and poverty wages for mm-hmm. folks here no absolutely they're still trying to figure out like oh what do we do with like the homeless population and shit like this and it's just remember like, when the article came out that said atlanta had solved homelessness yes while while miss bottoms uh, was still yeah, around Keisha. there <laughs> Ms. girl keisha little miss bottoms that was right before the super bowl right yep that shit pissed me off so bad because I was like, it's literally six houses people right around the corner from my mm-hmm. house. So what are you talking about? All y'all about? did was move them, bust them down. Yeah. Yep, bust them outside of Fulton County, like and just right to the line. And y'all said, oh, we did it, right? Yeah. We, we can't, we, we can't don't see them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild and evil as fuck. Out of sight, songs. But honestly, <laughs> though, I feel like this. There needs to be some type of organizing around this because this this shows folks that like organizing and like mutual aid is the only way that anybody's ever gonna mm. like be okay because right. now they're trying to like make everything a commodity like mm-hmm. oh you need to eat oh you gotta pay for it oh you need water you need shelter you, you don't want to freeze to death fork yeah. over thousands of dollars right yeah you know and people don't fucking have that and these are kids like right. literal kids i would definitely love to see more organizing centered around children and led by children mm-hmm. and also just like the fundraising in general being framed as mutual aid because i feel like while it's what's literally happening that's how, not how people are seeing mm-hmm. like that's not what they understand it to be and they don't see it as a practice that has to be practiced over time mm-hmm. it's like this one time i have 
twenty dollars to give to this, you know, fundraiser for these kids' lunch. Right. But mm-hmm. not that I should be giving twenty dollars every month to like sustain my community mm-hmm. and people yeah. that are impacted on a regular basis. Like it's not going to go anywhere. Right. Next year, there's going to be a whole new group of kids who can't mm-hmm. afford lunch. Like, know? like I wonder if to hear that folks are or the, these kids are in the negative, people were willing to give money, but now like, are you willing to sponsor a kids' lunch for the year? Like right. that's yeah. what that's the type of like mutual aid that needs to happen. And I mean, I don't doubt that it couldn't happen. Right. Just, there needs to be organizing behind it. Yeah. Do the kids have to pay the teachers out their pocket too? Like, right. <laughs> that's all, these, all these damn taxes, like you can, you can fix these fucking schools, these, uh, all expired textbooks and mm-hmm. shit mold in the schools and all these closures and shit like that. It's just like, it's, it's like a war on kids or something. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we've seen this happen so many different times before. I mean, even if you are religious, you, you've seen different stories in the Bible where they like, they attack the youth mm-hmm. to get after a population of people and it just feels like that's like the story because I don't know some private school in Decatur or some shit like that or like in closer to I don't know like Decatur uh, inner city schools or whatever is not going through this I bet you I know exactly which schools it is mm-hmm. it's yeah. like once you get past like Candler or some shit like that like once you get over on Moreland and shit like that's mm-hmm. what type of Decatur we're talking about it's not happening to these like these rich kids and these white kids and that's fucking terrible it is so yeah, definitely a crime. Jail. Yep, for sure. Lots they of should love. eat cheese sandwiches. They should. Eat, they should get all the administrators. Just, right. <laughs> Your bonus will be a cheese sandwich. <laughs> um, enjoy. Exactly. You know, absolutely. And um, I'm trying to figure out. I need. A, I need another type of punishment. Though. I'm just like, oh, I need everybody who worked for APS Indicator Schools to take a pay decrease to. Pay these kids lunch. How about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, the higher ups. Oh, yeah, oh, not, higher not ups. the teachers. Yeah, no. they need. Yeah, to. not the teachers. No, the teachers deserve thousands of dollars yes. in increase. Yeah, and I know those. And I know those teachers are taking money out of their pockets to help these kids as well. I don't know if it's with lunches, but I, I've seen so many stories and TikToks mm-hmm. and stuff of people saying, "I purchased this stuff from my classroom because the school doesn't give me money to and all that type of stuff." Yeah. They're literally buying kids' clothes. I've seen that, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, like, food. Well, I just said not lunches. But, you know, like, snacks in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Like, toothbrushes and lotion and, like, shit like that. Okay. <sighs> a crime. A crime. A crime. A crime. Sorry, Angela Davis, but they, they belong in jail. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're so glad to be back. Yes. On our regularly scheduled program. Mm-hmm. every week we will have an episode for you yes <laughs> as long as it's sustainable for us all right you can find us online at Ina Killa podcast on instagram tiktok and facebook and Ina Killa pod on twitter and you can listen to us on spotify you can listen to us on apple music anywhere where you find podcasts we'll be there all right talk to y'all next week okay. bye, bye. bye.